Coming up on this week's show, Ellie Franks is here as part of the 2016 GRL Blog Tour. Plus, the authors from the Changing on the Fly Anthology are here to talk about their charity hockey book. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 53 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKanaus.com. Hello. Hello. Welcome once again to another episode. And welcome to you as well. Mm-hmm. It's good to be here. Yeah. Episode 53. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's tough to talk I don't about. do those as well as you do. <laughs> so I was in LA this week. Yes, you were. Once again. Uh, so some stuff happened with writing. I wrote on Winger 2 a little bit more. Uh, and since I've been home, we were, we've both been working on GRL prep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a huge stack of stuff on the floor in the office of stuff that has to ship next week uh, to take its swag and prizes and stuff. Yeah. Books. Lots, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Excited about that. It's just like a week and a half away. Getting close. So we want to remind you, as we get close to GRL, we are planning on doing some Facebook Live while we're there. And the only way you'll see that live is if you like us on our Facebook page. And what is that address? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to guess that it... <laughs> no, I know. You do I, know. I, I can definitively state it is facebook.com forward slash big gay fiction podcast. Ding, 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 ding. Well done. <laughs> That's what I get for not putting it in the notes. <laughs> Uh, but yes, facebook.com slash biggayfitchinpodcast. Like us there, and you will be among the first people to know when we are broadcasting live uh, from GRL. Mm-hmm. Or anywhere else that we happen to you know, have that whim to push the live button. Uh, which I hope we do. Um, I hope that this year we are more... Um, I think what I'm trying to say is I would like us to be more in the moment and document said moments yes because i think in the past we've kind of gone and then just went with the flow and let the day take us where it did and and we didn't you know take enough pictures or you know document who we you know talked to or what panels we did and it was all sort of like you know loosey-goosey i think um you're going as an author we're going representing the podcast um, this time it's much a little more business focused, mm-hmm. uh, so it'll be different in that respect. Uh, and plus, I do want to, you know, uh, like I said, document it more. You know, take more pictures. Yeah. Hopefully, talk to people during, do some Facebook Live stuff, and yeah, yeah, and help bring it to people who who aren't there, who who can't go. Exactly. Yeah. That that's yeah. Uh, this Tuesday is a day to mark on your calendar. It is the 28th anniversary of National Coming Out Day. Uh, which is a day that a human rights campaign is put together to celebrate coming out as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or as an ally. Mm-hmm. So mark that on your calendar. Uh, take a moment on your Facebook page or your Twitter feed, perhaps, and uh, just restate to your friends and family uh, where you fall in those categories. Or if it's your first time coming out, congratulations. And uh, enjoy the day. Yes, that okay. is October 11th, uh, this coming Tuesday. Yes. And also there is a... Uh, important birthday of note. There is, yes. <laughs> I believe it is on Friday, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Uh, Winnie the Pooh turns 90. It's 1926 that A.A. A. Mill wrote 
Winnie the Pooh, the very first book. And yes, I have a first edition copy. It is one of my most treasured books. Uh, my mom and I found this. I was still in high school when we found this book in a used bookstore. Uh, well, it was a vintage bookstore in Birmingham, so it wasn't just a standard used bookstore. They dealt in these kind of volumes. And uh, we scooped that right up because mm -hmm. Winnie the Pooh was a big part of my childhood. Uh, there's a new Winnie the Pooh story coming out also because it just so happens that Winnie the Pooh shares his 90th birthday with the Queen of England. Wasn't that fortuitous? I know, right? <laughs> so Winnie the Pooh and the Royal Birthday has just recently come out from Disney uh, as a book and an audio book written. The audio is uh, narrated by Jim Broadbent. Oh, really? Cool. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes, because the link to it is way too long uh, to want to give you here on the podcast. Uh, but it is it is part of uh, Disney UK. Cool. That that's part okay. of. So, happy birthday, Winnie the Pooh. Yes. And also, speaking of birthdays, uh, in just three short weeks, the Big Gay Fiction Podcast will be celebrating our birthday. Yes. Uh, the anniversary of our first released episode. Yes. That will happen in the episode that will drop on October 31st, Halloween. Uh, we're very excited about that. It's been a good year, I think. Mm -hmm. Now, if you, dear listener, would like to tell us what you've liked, what the top moments are from the first year of the show, please do so in the show notes uh, for one of the next three episodes. And uh, we may pluck those out and talk about them on that show. I'm really curious. I hope everyone takes a few moments out of their day to uh, go to the show notes page and uh, write down just a quick comment. Um, I um, It's been... a uh, a whirlwind, nothing. <laughs> boy, boy, a year goes by fast, let me tell you. It does. Nothing, nothing, uh, as we're standing here, nothing uh, comes to mind uh, as particularly stand out. I think the entire year has been uh, kind of fun and amazing uh, from my you know, personal perspective. But I'm interested in what our listeners think. Is there anything that you thought was particularly funny or a guest who was a particularly insightful. Uh, was or there a turned moment? you on to a new book. Exactly. That or, became one of your favorites, perhaps. Or a moment that was, you know, between, you know, Jeff and I, that was particularly stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and any of those count, let us, let us know what you uh, thought. Give us a... Give us a shout-out in the show notes for episode 53. Yeah, at com. Time now for the GRL Guest Author Spotlight. We're happy to welcome Ellie Franks to the podcast as part of the official 2016 GRL blog tour. Ellie lives in San Francisco Bay Area with her husband, one teenager, and two cats bent on world domination while she writes about gay men in pursuit of love. Her stories are a unique mix of humor and drama with enough suspense to produce fast-paced stories filled with emotion and passion and featuring characters that are quirky and complicated and sometimes a little bit dark. <laughs> Thanks for being with us, Ellie. Thanks. I, I, I'm happy to be here. Thrilled, actually. Under the supervision of one of my cats, so you know I can't go too far off the track here. Yeah, is he taking notes on world domination or deciding <laughs> if a podcast is what he needs for world domination? Actually, it's a her, as I recall. It is, um, it is a her. This one's Bindi, the little white cat. Uh, and I think she's just making sure that I don't stray too far off of my duties because she has us fully dominated here. So we're, we're all subversive to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try to keep on track. I don't want her coming after me. That's right. That's right. So let's talk about your Six Days series. Uh, you're getting ready to debut Duo of Days, uh, which is the yep. first two books in paperback, which yep. is uh, Six Days to Valentine's and Six Days to Get Lucky. Uh, tell us about this series and what the inspiration was. 
it, it's um, it's one of those cart before the horse kinds of things that seems to happen to me all the time. But uh, right after GRL in Albuquerque, I had this idea for a Valentine's story, and I thought, wow, if I had a guy who happened to be named Valentine, Nicholas Valentine, um, who hates everything about Valentine's Day, um, and I threw him in a bar, you know, how would that work? And so I started to write that as a short novella. And um, the love interest, Fat Boy, is, <laughs> is uh, he was just the bouncer, and he wasn't going to be the main character at all. He was simply going to be window dressing and you know how characters, they refuse to stay put and do what they're told. And he sort of muscled his cousin out of the plot. And, um, and that became, uh, the impetus for, for the story. He's trying to woo Nick and Nick is completely oblivious to it until the end. And, Talking to Jeff Knight over at Wild City, uh, he took a look at it and he said, you know, this would be really cool if you follow this relationship over the course of a year and sort of uh, pinged different holidays to see, you know, to check in with a couple and see where they are. And uh, Six Days to Get Lucky, actually, the plot picks up about four weeks later from Valentine's Day and it's a novel length and it's their relationship taking it to the next level and in the background is all the craziness going around in the bar getting ready for St. Patrick's Day. And so the series has I think five or six um, you know installations installments um, over the course of the year to kind of see where they're specific relationship arc goes that's kind of exciting what's what's the next holiday coming up that we'll see them in it's uh six days to get away and uh, now that they're officially a couple um i wanted to kind of give them a little bit of a breather from kind of the madness of of the uh, courtship ritual and to take a look back and kind of resolve Nick's backstory. So it's going to be um, their first vacation together and how uh, his family pops up and trips them up and he has to resolve things with, with a mother and a, and a half-sister he doesn't know he has. And and uh, I'm actually pretty excited. I've, I've got the first scene written already from that and... Uh, I, I can't wait to get back to it. Cool. That sounds exciting. Yeah, it's they're they're great characters. I, you know, can you say that about your your own work? But I really love Nick. He is kind of a snarky asshole, but he's got that tender, gushy, vulnerable side. Um, and Fat Boy is a character is he's just solid. You know, he just like lets him be him. And is trying to steer, you know, the whole boat, you know, very subtly. And uh, but he's got his own issues. So 
to make a story interesting or a character interesting, they can't be perfect. And it was interesting. Um, some of the the reader comments about Nick is like they love Fatboy and they hate Nick because he's kind of a jerk. But if they're too nice in the beginning or if they're too collected, they're not worth following. I don't think it's not realistic. So anyway, that that is um, the series is all about Nick and Fatboy. And I, I think I think you do have to love your characters. Otherwise, I think they get hard to write about. Yes, that's true. I mean, as long as you love them, you can. I mean, as the author, I think you have to love the jerks as well. Yeah, they have to have redeemable qualities. And even uh, you know, this is classic writing one hundred and one, right? Mm-hmm. The best villains are the ones that the reader has sympathy for. And even in the most vile actions. Um, they're relatable at some level and it makes them compelling. You know, it will, will evil triumph over good or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now the summer you came out with some shifter uh, action with of nuts and men, which sounds about 180 degrees away from the day's books. I'm I'm pretty eclectic in what I write. And um, honestly, one of the reasons um, I love writing in the gay romance genre is it's such um, an overarching umbrella of subgenres. You know, there's room to write westerns or contemporaries or, you know, uh, romantic comedies like my six day series and contemporaries are a little more serious. Um, but of nuts to men is um, about a squirrel shifter, and it was part of Dream Spinner's Daily Dose uh, short stories in June, and that was um, just fun to write. You know, I like writing short stories. Um, this one, writing, putting yourself in the head of a squirrel when they're shifted. And uh, melding that with the human element was um, a blast. And so I really got to use a lot of my, um, my vocabulary, you know, all those great adjectives and action verbs and uh, stringing them along. I love to do that and, and to do it in a playful way that is not over the top. You can't, you can't get away with that in a lot of contemporary where your, your writing um, has to be much more structured to frame the action in a plot and stuff. But when you, when you're dealing with a squirrel, uh, it's all fair game. And that was a blast. And I love the title too, because it, it, <laughs> it, it says squirrel shifter, but it also, you know, just puns on nuts and men. And it's, uh, yeah. it's a well, great the, title. The title itself was, um, I had delivered it to dream spinner and, um, on like January 5th and like January 7th, um, a book came out, another short story, uh, with a squirrel shifter with an almost identical title that was a bestseller on ARE. And it was like, I, what are you going to do? Right. And, um, I didn't know that until it was getting close to wrapping up. Um, I think we're almost to the galley stage when I discovered that. And so we were sort of scrambling for titles, you know, something that would communicate squirrel shifter and would be funny. And, um, 
And so I pulled uh, VA Maxfield and Reese Ford into it, and we started riffing off all sorts of puns. And I, I can't remember. I think this, um, I'm not sure who thought of, of Nuts and Men, uh, but I know Reese had thrown out a, a title for a follow-up of our, if I ever do anything, um, uh, Namatsu, um, <laughs> sorry, uh, you know, the, the Hindu greeting and, um, oh, namaste, namaste, namaste. So thank you. Um, and, uh, that would be perfect if I decide to do this series, but it's, it's a fun story. It's a squirrel shifter. Who's been adopted by a clan of lion shifters, you know, big cats, cougars and mountain lions and stuff like that. And they, he goes to school at Berkeley. So there's a lot of room to play with that. If I wanted to do a a series, but series are my bane. I don't write that fast, but still, I mean, you've got it sitting there if you ever need it. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it would be a crime not to not to use that title just because it's so funny and so fantastic. But uh, and again, the characters um, are a lot of fun. Um, and when it's a short, it really leaves you your options open in, in terms of plotting and stuff like that. You don't get yourself written too far into a corner. Right. So besides the the six days to get away that's coming up soon, what else is is in your future? Well, I've been um, writing for the most uh, over the course of the year on um, The Art of Pie, which was originally going to be part of the States of Love series for Oregon, and it just got too big. Um, I think it's about 70,000 words right now, and I'm you know, three quarters of the way done. Um, I'm sort of in a quandary about whether to expand it um, or wrap it up now. You know, as you write, when you're trying to write to um, a word count, there's a lot of scenes you sort of edit out in your head and you don't put on paper. And uh, I'm going through that process right now of sort of a bit of an existential crisis on, you know, whether I'm going to do it or not. Uh, but it's a story of two two boyhood friends that are separated when they're about 11. And the story picks up 20 years later. And it's written in parallel scenes where they, uh, they almost see each other, almost meet each other. They're in the same place in the same time. And until they actually meet in the small town where they were boyhood friends. And then they pick up the relationship from there. So there's a little bit of a mystery involved, and um, but their their emotional relationship has never dulled. They've always been connected, even though they've been separated. So it's um, it's based in uh, Gold Beach, Oregon, where I spent most of my summers growing up. My my grandparents had a house on the Rogue River, and so it's. The, the setting is very autobiographical. You know, I know how it feels and how it smells. And, and I, you know, there's a lot of love for that place in that book. So I want to do it right. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> or at least finishing it. And, and speaking of looking forward, uh, we're just a, a couple of weeks away from GRL. What are you looking forward to this year? 
Um, uh, well, the the first thing I'm looking forward to is the road trip. We're driving from the Bay Area to Kansas City, Missouri. So that will be fun. Morticia Knight and I will be doing that and we'll be playing around with a video journal as we go. And I'm looking forward to actually driving through kind of the flat part of the country. You know, I kind of have skirted around all the edges, but I've missed out the center, the gooey center. (laughs) We'll be driving through the gooey center. And, uh, but once I get there, I'm really looking forward to just relaxing. We get there early. We get there on a Monday and before the event starts, that's the time that I get to really connect with readers and other authors and, and, you know, just talk once, once it starts on Thursday, it's, you know, you're, you go from pillar to post. It's busy, but um, I'm looking forward to meet, see my friends, making new friends, seeing new, seeing all those readers and uh, online people. That's always the best. Excellent. Excellent. And what's the best way for everyone to keep up with you online? And especially, do you know where, where they can keep up with your, your road travels? Well, uh, for sure, I know Morticia Knight is going to set up a YouTube channel for that. But um, uh, Ellie Frank's Facebook is probably gets the most activity. On Twitter, I'm, I'm under at Boxster Sushi. And that link is, um, I think it's on Facebook. If not, my web address, Ellie Frank's dot com. Um, you can catch up on all of those uh, links and um, you can see the latest Facebook posts and my blog posts and those sorts of things. So the Facebook is where I tend to be there the most often. Okay. We will link up to all of those in our show notes along with uh, links to all the books that we talked about. Cool. Ellie, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We look forward to seeing you in Kansas City. Oh, it'll be great, and uh, I'll buy you a beer or something for for, uh, (laughs) hosting all this. You can follow the GRL Blog Tour by going to gayromlit.com slash 2016 blog tour. So the Big Gay Fiction Podcast has teamed up with the authors we're hosting on the GRL Blog Tour to give away a 7-inch Fire tablet that's loaded with e-books from the authors that we've hosted, as well as some e-books from me, plus Wild City Press is also giving up books from its authors who are attending GRL. Uh, you can see the Rafflecopter on episode 53 show notes to enter. The Big Gay Fiction Podcast blog tour giveaway runs through Sunday, October 23rd, so there's just two more weeks to go before it's all gone. <laughs> now you need your word of the week to get your extra bonus entries, and what is that word this week? This week's word of the week is out. O-U-T, out. Yeah, in celebration of National Coming Out Day. So, yes, be sure check those show notes. Uh, get your entries in for this week's Rafflecopter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you've been watching some documentaries. Yeah, I wanted to quickly go over documentaries I've seen recently. All of them uh, were about the business of show. Ooh. Uh, the first one, I enjoyed all of them, which is why I wanted to bring them up. The first one I want to talk about is Tab Hunter Confidential. And this is the... Uh, on-screen documentary version of uh, his biography that came out, I think it was roughly 10 years ago. Just about, yeah. Uh, And so, uh, Tab Hunter Confidential uh, covers, you know, the 
the standard biographical, you know, rise to stardom type of stuff uh, as it pertains to Tab. Um, uh, it was... I really get into this sort of, like, golden age of Hollywood stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I love it to pieces. Uh, and this uh, is... Uh, Particularly interesting is it kind of pulls back the curtain of what it uh, what it takes to like make a teen heartthrob. Uh, what was particularly interesting about this uh, particular documentary is it covers Tab's uh, not only his uh, burgeoning acting career, uh, his singing career, uh, for which uh, I think it's uh, Warner Brother Records. Uh, he was under contract. Was it Warner Brothers? Oh, my gosh, I should have written this stuff down. I don't know. He, he was under contract <laughs> at one of the studios, uh, and he had a ginormous hit song. And the studio said, well, why is this stupid record company making all this money? We're going to start a record company of our own. I'm pretty sure... That sounds very Warner Brothers. I th I'm pretty sure it was Warner Brothers Records. They started the label specifically for Tab. Uh, so uh, he was a big deal actor, a big deal teen heartthrob, and a big deal singer. Uh, one of the uh, other things it covers is his relationship with uh, Anthony Perkins uh, and how uh, Tab never really played the uh, Hollywood um, closet game. Uh, mm. He, of course, went out on dates with starlets. Um, all the studios uh, encouraged their closeted stars to do that. Uh, they also encouraged their stars to uh, marry other stars who were usually in the closet as well. Uh, Tab never played that game. Uh, that just wasn't for him. Uh, also, it goes over um, the uh, scandalous revelation of a uh, uh, how in early in his career uh, he was arrested at a, you know uh, essentially a, a gay party in, in Hollywood mm -hmm. uh, confidential magazine uh, which is where the name of this particular documentary comes from uh, confidential magazine uh, leaked the story uh, that tab was uh, gay to the public uh, and that was actually um, part of a deal they made with Tab's disgruntled agent. Um, the Confidential originally wanted to run a story outing Rock Hudson, but at that point, Rock Hudson was a much bigger star, so they threw uh, Tab Hunter. Yeah. Okay. So Tab, Tab got kind of thrown under the bus for the sake of Rock Hudson's career. Um, luckily, though, that story didn't really... Uh, do much damage to Tab. Uh, he continued making uh, records and uh, movies. And uh, the um, movie also covers uh, his resurgence uh, later on after his, you know, teenage heartthrob stardom, uh, like doing movies like uh, Lust of the Dust and Grease 2 and some of the crazy out-of-the-box stuff <laughs> he did later in his career. So that was uh, really, really wonderful. I highly recommend Tab Hunter Confidential. Also, I recommend a movie called Women He's Undressed. And this is the story of Ori Kelly. Now, if you watch TCM, 
in any uh, great amount. You probably <laughs> know Ori Kelly is the legendary Hollywood designer. Uh, and this is the story of a poor Australian kid who uh, dreamed and adored uh, the Hollywood movie magazines and going to the movies with his mom. Uh, he eventually uh, came from Australia to New York, uh, and he uh, sort of uh, found his way to the stage there uh, and, and had a vaudeville act, and he met a guy named Archibald Leach, uh, and they spent some time together being, you know, roommates. And uh, <laughs> Ori and uh, Archibald eventually went to Hollywood to try their luck there. Uh, Archibald changed his name to Cary Grant, hmm. and we all know the story with that. And uh, Ori eventually uh, got a job at Warner Brothers, and he eventually became their lead designer. Um, during his uh, rise to prominence at Warner Brothers, um, uh, primarily in the 30s, uh, the designers really focused on glamour, uh, looking at, you know, what Adrian was doing at MGM was um, almost diametrically opposite of what Ori Kelly was doing at Warner Brothers. Um, while still very glamorous and beautiful, his clothes tended to focus more uh, on, on tailoring uh, and realistic details. Uh, some of that MGM stuff is like beautifully bonkers and over yes. the top. <laughs> um, but uh, Ori was fascinated with the character. The clothes had to serve the character, which made him uh, very good friends with Betty Davis. Uh, she and Ori got along famously. He designed some of her most iconic looks, the red dress in Jezebel, the beautifully tailored gowns and suits in Now Voyager. Uh, so the movie uh, covers his um, rise to prominence in the 30s. Uh, he eventually kind of fell out of favor, but then came back. Um, so uh, it's really fascinating. Once again, if you're into that old Hollywood stuff, I highly recommend it. Now, all of these are available streaming right now as we speak on Netflix. So check those out. I enjoyed them. You've been a busy boy. Yeah. yeah. So this week I had the great opportunity to speak to Avon Gale, VL Losi, Heather Lear, uh, Cheryl Ann Cornet, and Jen Needle, uh, all about the hockey charity book called Changing on the Fly, which will come out on October 12th, which is Wednesday and also the opening of NHL season ah. for 2016-17. So let's listen and see what they have to say. Cool. I'm very happy to welcome uh, the, some of the authors and the cover designer for Changing on the Fly, which is an MM Hockey Romance Charity anthology that's coming out this week. I've got Cheryl Ann Cornet, Avon Gale, VL Losi, and Jen Needle. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks Thank for, having you for having us. Thank you. So, Avon, I know you're speaking for the group. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about how this anthology came together and what charity you're supporting with it. Sure. Um, so, I think I was. BL and I were talking um, last year, wasn't it, Ricky, at this point? Yeah, yeah. 
than a year ago, um, we were just kind of talking about anthologies and and sort of kind of threw around this idea to just do a completely 100% donated to um, a charity that supported inclusion in athletics for all level of athletics from players to fans, coaches, all that. Um, and we thought it would be great to see if we could get um, a couple of authors together who might want to, you know, donate a story and then see if we could put everything together and release it during um, like to coincide with the start of the season. Um, and then run through the length of the hockey season until probably May. Uh, and then the stories would revert back to their uh, uh, original authors. And then, um, yeah, that was kind of what it was. We just sort of started like a Facebook group and started kind of reaching out and seeing if we knew people that might want to be a part of it. That is very cool. And it, it's going to a charity that uh, supports inclusiveness in athletics, which is great because we know – uh, as much forward progress as there's been with college athletes coming out and some pro athletes starting to come out, there's still a long way to go there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, it's a small thing we can do to help. So um, a lot of us are, I think, most for the most part, are, are uh, primarily write a lot of hockey romance. And so it just seemed like a, a really good way to give back, kind of. So let's talk about the stories that are going into it. Uh, Avon, we can start with you since you, you've been the spokesperson thus far. Tell us about your story. Um, my story is called Next Season, and it's about a player who um, is part of one of like a big name trade, um, but he's not the big name player. He's kind of like the prospect that gets sent along with the big name player. Um, and it's set in the NHL, but I, of course, changed the names. So he goes from the Buffalo Knights to the uh, Philadelphia Foxes, and they're not a very good team, but he gets a spot on the roster where he had before been kind of playing between the AHL and NHL. Um, so he's pretty excited about it, but along he's going along with um, the actual captain of the Knights, whose name's Everett Sparrow, and Everett is not quite as thrilled because he's uh, the Knights are like a playoff team, and Everett uh, isn't so thrilled about having to move to Philadelphia. And the story is kind of told, it's all told from Nick's point of view, and the two of them um, have to share a townhouse when they get to Philadelphia, uh, just because, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of room for people to actually buy their own home, but I liked the idea of them having to be roommates. And Nick has a, is gay and has a huge crush on Everett, but um, just kind of tries to stay out of his way, because Everett's kind of... He's kind of cranky about the whole trade thing. And so the story just basically goes through the two of them as they get to kind of know each other, become friends, and then they eventually sort of hook up. Um, and then it does deal a little bit with some issues of Nick's thinking about coming out, and so is Everett, and just kind of what that would mean in the sense, not so much even what the other players would think, but um, kind of about the media uproar. Um, I went to Mizzou, actually live in Columbia, Missouri, and so that's where Michael Sam played football. Mm -hmm. And... I remember when he came out, the just the you know the media frenzy about it, and I always thought like it's not even that it was negative attention, but all that attention that must be very daunting to the other athletes who are looking at this and thinking like, you know, can I put myself, my teammates, all you know, people through that um, that intense scrutiny about something that doesn't really have anything to do with how I play hockey, um, and so I kind of wanted to explore that a little bit, like what might keep people from making that step and how it's not necessarily that they're afraid of the reaction of other people as much as that media scrutiny, if that makes sense. Because I, I think that's something that would actually, you know, after seeing what happened with Michael Sam, could keep people in the yeah. closet longer. Yeah, and I mean, I think that at some point, like, unfortunately, the first, it's almost like the first person who does this 
you know, I hate to say that like, well, it's expected, but because of what we saw with Michael Sam, it's like that happens and then maybe it makes it easier for the next person, which is great, but it still doesn't change the fact that it's very hard on that first person. So um, that was sort of what I was um, examining was kind of, you know, in addition to Nick, who was kind of a quiet guy as a defenseman, you know, making this huge life change and getting a spot on the roster and being really excited about it, but also just mixing in with a new team and trying to figure out how to be himself and, and then have a relationship with someone and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So Cheryl Ann, we'll come to you next. Uh, tell us about your story. Okay. Uh, yes, my story is called Even Strength, and it actually examines a lot of what Avon was just talking about. It's a, about a, a Japanese American play, uh, Japanese Canadian, sorry, player uh, who actually came out in college in his senior year to kind of go ahead and get rid of some scrutiny that was coming onto his college team. So he went ahead and came out, and he's now dealing with the fallout of that from when he he actually gets the NHL during his rookie season. So he's dealing with that, but he's also dealing with uh, his boyfriend, uh, Tristan, also managed to come with him to North Carolina. Um, me being a Carolina Hurricanes fan, I decided to go ahead and set it in Carolina, even though I do live in Florida. Um, I went ahead and, and changed it. They're called the Carolina Crew. I'm also a, a huge fan of pirate movies and such, so we went with that direction. And uh, he he, bas- he basically um, tries to deal with some some things on the ice and off the ice as far as um, some folks that don't necessarily think he belongs there. Um, but he does have a lot of the support of the of the different team, um, the, the players and the organization. So the coaches, that sort of thing. Um, he's got some he's got some great friends. Um, the the alternate captain is a good friend of his, as well as one of the other defensemen who happens to be one of the aging defensemen on the team. But he really kind of takes him under his wings. So it's a lot of um, kind of a coming of age sort of story in that sense. Okay, so VL, we'll come over to you. I suspect your story is in New York because you've got Broadway in your title. It is, yes, yes. Well, I'm I'm quite partial to those New York hockey players as it is, um, but mindset, as you said, it's set in in um, in New York and it's titled on Broadway, um, and it's it's uh, it's very much a Prince and the Pauper kind of story, where you have one one young man who's um, you know, the captain and star center for the New York Nightwings, Riley Zealy. And he has everything that you would think anybody could want that would make them happy. He's got money, fame, skills, good looks, but he's, he's a closeted gay man living a very solitary life in one of the biggest yet loneliest cities in the world. Um, and he comes across, as fate does sometimes, throws a, a homeless young man in his path and... Raleigh just can't forget him, and they tend to bump into each other a few times, and they end up helping each other in ways that I don't think either one of them could have possibly predicted. It also, as Avon's story and Cheryl's story, um, touches on on how difficult it is for players to come out and the media scrutiny that that follows that kind of an announcement, and. Um, the fear of the players of having to put themselves through this. It sounds like such a New York story too, with the addition of the homeless man. Cause I mean, that is such a thing in New York as it is in mm-hmm. any big city, but mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's an interesting twist on it. Yeah. Well, I, I, 
I, I like to try to get some social issues into my stories if I can. Um, and I and I felt that touching upon the the homeless um, LGBT youth mm -hmm. um, really needed to be brought to the forefront a little bit. And you know that that there's a lot being done, but there's definitely not enough. So I'm hoping that that'll shine a light on that a little bit. Um, we've been joined by Heather Lear. Uh, welcome, Heather. Hi. Uh, tell us about your story in the anthology. So mine is called Going Home. It's about two boys who are boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> two boys. Because in my mind, they're, they're still stuck in that high school setting because there's a lot of issues happening there. But... Um, it takes place 10 years after they've graduated from high school. And my character, Blake, it has been, Las Vegas has been granted um, the new hockey team, the new expansion team. So, and he's been hired on their coaching staff. So he goes home, and he's from Vegas. He's a Vegas native. Um, his family's been in Vegas since the 1930s. So he goes home. And he's not really happy about being back in Vegas because Vegas holds no, no happy memories for him. And so, but he's going because it's a great job. It's great. And along the way, he drags his best friend and he gets them to sign his best friend to go on the team as well. Who's had some struggles. Oh, he's been in town about a month and him and his best friend decide to go on a trip down memory lane. And he runs into the boy that he was in love with in high school. And he hadn't come out in high school. And it wasn't because his high school would have been very understanding. His high school would have been extremely understanding because during the height of the AIDS epidemic, his high school lost their most beloved choir teacher to AIDS. And so they all were very, it was just being gay just wasn't an issue in their high school because most of his classmates had older siblings who had had Mr. Ball. And Mr. Ball was actually my choir teacher. And on the night I graduated from high school, he passed away from AIDS. So it very much is a homage, for me at least, to these two boys who grew up in a school where it was okay to be gay, but because of things in their families, they, they hid it. And now they're at a place where they're going home and they have to figure out how to be in a healthy relationship in a setting where they've never allowed themselves to be happy in. There's a lot of, there was a lot of emotion. The story went where I was not expecting the story to go. It was supposed to be a quick 10,000 word book. They just quickly turned into a 70,000 word story. So my story is actually a prequel. So you get to meet Blake and Micah and you get a little bit of their backstory and what happened in school. And the next part, which is finding home, is going to pick up right where going home ends. I love how each of the stories uh, really tackles, you know, there's more than romance going on there. Blake, my hero, one of my heroes, my, uh, the other hero, Micah, he was bisexual and was in the military. And now he's, and now he's a school teacher in their high school. So it's going to dredge up a whole lot of emotions for them and facing their past and bring down misconceptions 
in their own family and in their own community. No, it's 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 really interesting too with mine as well is the fact that it, there's actually there's a little bit of a snippet where Nate, my main character, is actually out at a community event and runs into this little girl that he happens to be, you know, make a connection with. And it turns out that her dads were both military as well. So that, you know, full kind of full circle on that one too. And I also tried to, um, also wanted to bring a little more diversity into it um, with Nate being Japanese Canadian. So he's also kind of got that going on as well. Um, in addition to also being, also being a gay man trying to make it in the national hockey league. So I'm dying here because you just said that yours is a, is have Japanese. Mm-hmm. Blake is Japanese Brazilian. There you go. <laughs> We're just bringing the diversity. <laughs> machismo, machismo, machismo. I'm married to a Latin man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's swing over to uh, Jen for a second. Uh, how did, as you're getting all these stories and hearing from all the authors, how did you decide what to put on the cover? Uh, well, because they're so different in a lot of ways, like, and there's some common themes that are running through all of them. Um, but it would be impossible to put a person on the cover, which is, I think, traditionally what a romance novel would do, especially ones that were sex oriented, as your steamy stories seem to be. <laughs> um, but because, as the ladies were saying, there's so many different nationalities represented, and there's just so many different types of people that they're writing about, it was impossible for me to find somebody. Sorry. Okay, that would represent the whole anthology. So I was trying to think of some kind of scenery that would work. And then I just really loved the title changing on the fly because it just made me instantly think of a locker room. And I loved the kind of cheeky twist to that, that like, you know, everybody jokes about like locker room shenanigans and, you know, what happens when you're changing, you know? <laughs> so um, initially my idea for it was a lot more complicated, um, but I thought the idea of just the two jerseys hanging there and who knows where their owners are. <laughs> I don't <laughs> You got to read this anthology to find out. So hopefully it inspires a few people to read it. And of course the fact that you've got the 20 and the 16, I mean, that worked really well. Uh, I have to admit that, my hockey player mind just went to, you know, the concept of changing on the fly on the ice. And I wasn't even connecting it to the locker room necessarily, but <laughs> I like how that works too. <laughs> I love like, I love that it works both ways, right? Yeah. And we should mention um, that there are also stories in the anthology from Samantha Wayland and Mary Smith uh, to round out yes, the, yes. the full six that are in the, in the book. Uh, so the final question, which is kind of round table, what is it about hockey that attracts you guys as the thing you write about? Oh, I don't know yeah. it, but I'm Canadian, so I have to love hockey. <laughs> She's the one that got me watching hockey. That's true. And she, that's funny. Greater. Yeah, she got me watching the Canucks, and I was like, okay, this is great. And then she's like, you got to pick a team. So I picked the Bruins, and it was 2011, and we're still friends. <laughs> yeah, and, and we went to Boston two weeks after the cup final. Yeah, Jen is a good sport about everything, and especially that, because <laughs> she had to stand there waiting for me to, like, find her in this, like, weren't you, like, downtown, and there was that huge poster of Chara, and you were like, I hate my life. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
I was patient. <laughs> my plane got in hours before hers. So I was just walking around Boston and I turned this corner and there's this giant banner of Zidane Charlo holding the cup <laughs> over his head. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? And I don't live in Boston, so I was like, we have to go to the pro shop. Like, really, it's amazing you still put up with me. Thank you. (laughs) I actually write all sports. My sons are um, football players, and uh, my oldest is being scouted by some big D1 schools. So I was like, uh, I, I kind of fell into writing. I wrote a hockey book, and my agent was like, you're really good at hockey. You should keep writing it. And I'm like, ah, I know nothing about the sport. My hero happens to play hockey, but he doesn't spend any time on the ice or in the game during this book. And I know nothing about the sport. And I live in Denver now. And so I actually called the Avs last year and I said, so I'm an author and I'm writing a hockey book. Can I know nothing about the sport? Can you help me? Oh, that's awesome. Cool. They actually gave me tickets. They gave, it was so funny because they gave me tickets for my family to go to. We were playing the Kings. It was a preseason game. And so I took my sons. And at first they were not interested at all because they're like, Mom, this is not football. This sucks. Mom, this is not football. <laughs> and then the little ice bunnies came out. And they perked up because they're 16. And they went, Mom, this sport's kind of cool. And then... <laughs> Someone from the Kings smashed for the abs right in front of us. And my kids looked at me and they went, you can hit this sport. We need to play it. And I'm like, yeah. So now I, you know, I, I still know nothing about hockey. Um, but I know athletes. And I figure I can fudge the hockey. There's enough people in my life who know hockey that I can do that. But the athlete mindset their dedication, the things that they have to do on and off the field. That's my life. And so I can write that. Well, I know like for myself, I'm probably going to date myself terribly here, um, but I'll do it anyway. Um, I grew up living about 25 minutes from the spectrum in Philadelphia. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I remember the spectrum. (laughs) My first crush, actually, sports crush, was Bobby Clark when he was on the Broad Street Bullies. (laughs) If you lived that close to Philly, you cheered for the Broad Street Bullies, or you were run out of town on a rail. That that hairdo and that mustache. Oh, oh, Bob. He was just (laughs) just angelic, wasn't he? So, I... I, as life does, it took me away from Philadelphia, and I ended up living in the mountains, the north central mountains of Pennsylvania. Um, and I kind of drifted from the sport a little bit. And um, I had started writing again, or writing professionally, I suppose I should say. And uh, I came across um, a submissions call for an MM sports anthology. And I said, well, you know, I've always enjoyed hockey, so, you know, I... I'll touch base with it again. It'd been quite a, like quite a long time. And um, living up here, the only teams that you could find were just the Sabres or the Rangers. So I happened to flip on a Rangers game. And, you know, of course, it was Henry Glunquist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, that that was a, an immediate draw. But I, I also kind of I fell in love with the personality of the team and the spirit of the team. And then, you know, from there, I, I just fell back into the sport. 
So it's 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 been a, a in an in and out kind of relationship with me with hockey, but and I'm very happy to be back cheering for it's it's not my hometown team, so, <laughs> which I get guff about a lot. <laughs> but I'm very glad to be back and be able to you know enjoy the game. And I've met so many wonderful people and so many wonderful sports romance authors. And and the genre is is the genre is really just starting to come into its own now, and I'm so happy to see that. Yeah, definitely, it's interesting too because my my guy's on the TV right now. One of the reasons I'm <laughs> I'm into hockey. I went to Boston U, so I have a connection in Boston as well. But um, I, I grew up a little bit. I, I grew up pretty close to the Canadian border, but my, I remember my mom cheering for the Miracle on Ice team. Which is why the the book is actually dedicated. My my portion of the book is actually dedicated to her, um, because of that. But um, I went to Boston U, and then also did a lot of I've I've done a lot of behind the scenes stuff as far as hockey goes. I actually did an, an internship in the National Hockey League and in the AHL as well. So I'm if Heather ever needs anything, I've got her back on that portion of it. But uh, <laughs> but in any case, <laughs> so but I'm I'm ended up uh, actually working with the AHL team that was uh, the farm team for the then Hartford Whalers and the former Winnipeg Jets that are now in Arizona. So um, that's how I kind of, I really delved into it then. So, but BU won the national championship my senior year in high school and in college. So that kind of, that was kind of kismet, I guess. (laughs) So that's how I ended up started a doing the hockey thing. So, and I still stick with it, even though I'm in Florida, um, I'm actually driving up to North Carolina in at Thanksgiving, finally get to see my team at home again. So it's great. <laughs> you know, and it was, I find so amazing is like, if, if you listen to all these wonderful authors talking, there's so much hockey knowledge and we're all women. So I, and I know all of us run into it more than we would like to, you know, but it, it's just, it's nice to see this kind of, of um, knowledge of, you know, yeah. among among women. And I mean, we know what we're talking about, guys. We, we truly I, do. I, I think a large part of that is, is I, I remember having a conversation with, oh, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was J.C. Burton, but it probably wasn't J.C. Burton, but she might have been there. We're talking about it. And how come so many women can write these you know, write these athletes and and really dive into the mindset. And someone in the group said, well, how many of us are moms of athletes, whether they're a boy or they're a girl? And 95% of us raised our hands. And they go, so regardless of what, what the sport is, what, what, what draws readers to us writing it is because we get the athlete mindset. If you understand the athlete mindset, you can write any sport, regardless of how much or don't know about the sport. I don't actually have kids, um, or but I grew up in Kentucky. Um, I'm a Southerner, so I never watched a game of hockey in my entire life until I um, came to... Actually, my husband was the first person that took me to a hockey game because he's uh, from right outside St. Louis and was a Blues fan. Um, and so we're watching the game, and I looked at... I'm 19, 20 years old probably at this point, and I looked at him and said, what happens if the ice cracks? And he's like, 
then <laughs> Zamboni over it. And I'm like, but no one like falls in. And he's like, you think there's a swimming pool under there? Yes, yes, I did. I, I had no idea. I'd never been ice skating. But I um, grew up in, like I said, Kentucky. And so we watched college sports, obviously college basketball, which is where I learned to be fanatically devoted and crazy about being mm-hmm. a sports fan. But I think what I like about hockey is that um, there's this, I don't know, it, it maybe it's something about the salary cap or the facts that the fact that the players seem to change teams a lot, but I find a lot of what I love about college sports, that kind of like camaraderie and the emphasis on the team over like individual players. I find a lot of that in hockey too. And I think it was really easy for me to like translate why I loved college sports a lot to the NHL. And then of course, eventually love players as, as I do. Mm -hmm. um, So I don't, I don't have children and I'm not, and I was kind of athletic, not really (laughs) growing up, but that team aspect. And I also see that with women too, the way we are, like even right now with all of us doing this anthology and even in the romance community, and hopefully all of you have had this experience, that's a very good one where people are very supportive and Mm -hmm. can be very uplifting, like that team sort of atmosphere. I think women are just, we're kind of like that when we get like into something and into groups and kind of like, I think that too is a part of why I like hockey so much is that camaraderie and that, that the teammate-ness, I guess. And I think that a lot of us as authors have found that in this community as well. Um, and writing about it becomes kind of natural, if that makes sense. I remember having a conversation with Carly Phillips and regarding sports books. And she was one of the very first authors who dared to write a sports romance. And she mm-hmm. was told that her book that no one was going to buy her book sports romance didn't sell mm. and that was it, her very first it's sports so huge out. now <laughs> oh it is it's, it's growing yeah, this exponentially was like, this was like and i've definitely seen a big mm-hmm, i've definitely seen a big influx of the male male too bringing it back to our anthology um seen a huge influx of the male male sports romance as well even just within the last year the the influx of that of those stories and it's nice to and i've actually even started to see some female female which is interesting too um yeah Yeah. so i'm writing my first um, ff one right now i'm so excited about that not gonna lie (laughs) someone's writing one for riptide in our group who is it that's me. Yeah. Is it well, you? I'm not writing it. Um, yeah, I'm I writing an FF. It's oh. not a. It's not a hockey book, but I do have a trilogy planned, though it doesn't have a home yet. That ha- it's all about like hockey player, like women hockey players, and like a surfer. So there's some FF going on in there. But. That's awesome. Awesome. We're running. We're actually running out of time. Um, I want to make sure that people know that uh, Changing on the Fly does come out October 12th, uh, which is the opening day of the NHL season. Go Red Wings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go Canes! Uh, I know it's an ebook. Is there going to be a paperback edition also? Yes. Yes, I know Mary. Mary's working on that, so yes, mm-hmm. as we speak, yeah. probably. Okay, that's awesome. I can't thank you all enough uh, for taking some time out and all getting together at the same time so we could talk. And I wish you much Definitely. success. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. I thank again uh, the ladies from uh, Changing on the Fly for taking some time and actually all coming together at the same time <laughs> uh, to have a chat about the new book. I haven't read it yet. I got it on pre-order. Uh, I declined an ARC because I really want to you know, support the charity. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and frankly, I wouldn't have had time to read it and digest it anyway. <laughs> but there's some great authors that I'm looking forward to those stories after hearing about them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do we got coming up next week? Well, next week in episode number 54, Ethan Day was here. And he's going to be part of the GRL blog tour. And we're also going to be talking about, oh, yeah, GRL, that thing. That thing that, that happens thing. next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to be uh, previewing GRL with Jay from Joyfully Jay. Yeah, so we hope all of you can join us then and wish you all a good week. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Big Gay Fiction Podcast.